Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. And here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the show. I hope they can hear me today. Why would uh, they not I be able to hear you? Because you're that far, far away. Far away. Are you not just smart? I am. Oh, you're far away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have done something interesting this week. We're watching Ant-Man. Spoilers for Ant-Man! Just in case I can't believe the, they killed off. Everybody. Yeah. That's weird, that, isn't and it? All, blew everybody up. They all went to Tron. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't Tron. It was the quantum sphere or the quantum the, universe. The quantum-verse. Because apparently they couldn't use the term microverse. Right. Now, the director said that's because of the micronauts. Right. But the microverse existed in the Fantastic Four comics. Okay. Prior to the Micronauts. Right. So one would imagine Marvel would own that. I guess Unless so. it's part of the Fox own it package. Yeah, okay. Because they own the Fantastic Four. Because apparently they would own Namor as well. Yeah. But why did they not therefore own the Inhumans? Okay. Because that doesn't make sense, does it? I guess so. Anyway, Ant-Man, what did you think of Ant-Man? Um, I, I thought it was, it, was, it was decent enough. Excellent it's, it's a Marvel funny film. Yeah. You, it's, the, it's the same as Guardians. It was Fulton, I enjoyed it. I thought the last act turned into Iron Man. Just two Did men it? in suits pummeling each I, other. I guess, yeah, but isn't that what you're going to get from most Marvel films? Yeah, I mean, the Thomas the Tank Engine bits were funner. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp was good. Oh, it's going to be the Wasp, but it's good. Yeah. And it was entertaining. Michael Douglas was great in it. I like Carrie Stowell as the bad guy. Okay. It was for two thirds of its runtime. It was solidly entertaining, and then it turns into a bit of a boring slugfest again at the end that we've kind of all seen before. But then okay. it kind of redeems itself by having Thomas the Tank Engine in it because there <laughs> okay. is nothing that's not improved by having Thomas the Tank Engine in it. That, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was great. Although I did think the enlarged ant was a little bit silly. Uh, How is she keeping that as a pet? Well, she feeds it dust. Bits of cakes you wanted to come back to later, but yeah. left out on the side. But given that ants have 50 times their own body weight, can lift 50 times their own body weight or something, yeah. so an ant that size would be incredibly strong. It was. So how is she going to keep that a secret? I don't know. Yeah, so it was a funny gag, but well, that's, you know, they didn't really think it through, did they? It's just a funny gag. Yeah. Exactly what yeah. It, is. it was alright, it? it was It was... Yeah. Not top tier Marvel entertainment. It wasn't spy espionage. It wasn't gods in Asgard. No, it was. It was about family. Yeah. It was about fathers and daughters and fathers and sons. And they they went out of the way to make him not a bad guy. Yeah, he was a Robin Hood. Yeah. He robbed from this big company that stole lots of money off people and never gave it them back. So the banks, basically. Yeah, yeah. So they went. Yeah, they went out of the way to establish Scott Lang as, as a good guy. Who was just an extraordinarily gifted thief. Yeah. But he did good things. I'm waiting for the movie where it really is a bad guy. He's a pretty good bad guy. Yeah. 
sometimes bad guys make the best good guys. Okay. So yeah, it was alright, we recommend it. It was a fun fun day out. The the audience seemed to like it. Yeah. Wasn't it? There was there was very few kids getting restless like they did in Amazing Spider Man. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Everyone seemed entertained by it, and I can't believe we live in a world where Ant Man has a good mover. True. Although well, there hasn't been a bad Marvel film that wasn't Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2's good, actually. After Captain America 2. Mm, it's still entertaining. This, I don't think there's been a bad Marvel movie. Yeah, it's just... There's been less good Marvel movies. Yeah. Well, they've all been entertaining movies. Ultimately, <laughs> as long as they're not Iron Man 2, I think they're, they're scoring. See, my only problem with Iron Man 2 is it's got Plastic Face McGrew in it. What's his name? Uh, um, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. I can't stand Mickey Rourke in anything. Okay. So the fact that he's in Iron Man 2 instantly puts me off Iron Man 2, but I don't think right. there's anything wrong with Iron Man 2. There's just nothing right with it. No, I think it's entertaining. I don't mind Iron Man 2. I don't see why everyone's down on Iron Man 2. Unless, like me, they just can't stand Mickey Rourke. Because it's boring. I don't think it is. I enjoy it's... it. Okay. I just don't like him as an actor at all in anything, ever. Okay. So, I just can't get past that. But I liked Iron Man 3. And I like Thor 2 Iron as Man well. Iron the best one. I like Thor 2 as well, which it's a lot of people don't like. Tony Stark being the original Tumblr girl. <laughs> oh, bitchy and whiny. Don't trigger me. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I don't know where I'd rank it, because I think I've long got past the rankings. As far as I'm concerned, it's Captain America 1, 2 and the Avengers are top tier. Are they? And then the rest are in a descending... Even the Hulk. ...time scale. That's not in the top gear. Uh, it'd be at the top of the second tier oh, okay. but I really do like the Hulk okay. and the first Iron Man but I don't like it I don't always like any of them I yeah. think they've, they've all been solid entertaining movies without controversy yeah. apart from Avengers 2 where people had to fabricate a controversy yeah. to make a controversy it was entertaining enough yeah. I don't think they're going to put that on any movie quote poster it was alright yeah, it, it? it was good enough <laughs> it was entertaining enough it was good night good morning out yeah. In the cheap seats on Scrubber Tuesday. Scrubber Tuesday. Scrubber Tuesday. So, alright, should we do an email? Okay, okay. Chris Franklin's emailed in. Hi, Chris. Hey, Leyland's. Young pups and old farts. Is he describing us, though? Or is that he the title be. of his email? Am I uh, the young pup? No, you're the old fart, evidently. I do feel like <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, handy. Uh, handy. I'm handy, handy, apparently. I'm just handy. Can you not get arrested for that? It depends what you're doing with your hands. One would imagine. Mr. Tickle would uh, be in Guantanamo about <laughs> Mr. That. Tickle in today's society would be considered a pest. Yeah. <laughs> He'd have one of those collars around his feet. <laughs> Poor Mr. Tickle. And uh, you've given even the good DC of the mid-80s too much credit. Why? Did I say... What did I say? Did I say they were good? Did I say they were bad? I don't remember. The powers that were, at the time, hemmed and hawed about how far-reaching the effects of crisis would be. Wolfburn wanted to restart the universe with new number one issues, but was vetoed. At the end of Crisis Issue 12, the pre-crisis history as we knew it was essentially intact, minus the existence of parallel worlds. For the most part, the histories of Earth 1 and Earth 2 had been collapsed into one. The JSA, including Jay Garrick's Flash, had existed first and then went away, to be followed by the Justice League of America decades later on the same Earth. The individual comics continued with nary a blip, and the changes would come slowly. Barry and Wally's history were basically the same before. Barry was the Flash for years, with Wally as occasional sidekick, until he was put on trial for killing the reverse Flash in the line of duty. He was acquitted and went to live with his wife Iris in the future, which was actually on Earth 1 pre-crisis. Oh, there you go! Right. That's what I was looking for last week. I knew it was Chris. 
that said, yeah, so it, so it wasn't the future originally, it was Earth 1. Okay. So we were right. Yeah. But then the people who said it was in the future were also right. So we were both right. Which is the best kind of right to be. Yeah, everyone was. Everyone was right. Because we don't want the losers to that's, feel sad. That's exactly <laughs> That's how it works. Nobody dies today. Everybody lives. But the crisis called, and he died. Barry did, obviously. Of course, what really happened in the crisis with no actual multiverse was always muddy. But it did happen in the timeline. Whilst his history was mostly intact, Wally's personality was radically different from what was portrayed in New Teen Titans. The first title where Wally was given a unique voice. Baron's slightly immoral Wally was a far cry from the conservative whiner Wolfman had written. So this first issue was quite a shock. Wally asking for money for his services was also a huge shift from the gleaming altruistic DC of old. His somewhat flippant attitude about his secret identity was also a new wrinkle. Him shacking up with a married woman a few issues from here would also paint him as somewhat of a sleazebag amongst the morally upright DC echelons. This can be attributed to hiring an edgy indie comic writer to take on one of DC's big characters. I'm guessing DC wanted something like this, since the previous Flash had been wallowed in the hellish trial story for three to four years. I bought all of Baron's run, but didn't really care for his version of Wally. Messner Loeb slowly, very slowly, developed Wally into a more likeable chap, but it took Wade to make me finally like the character, and honestly, the comic. Legacy characters, here we go! Boy, you were really fishing for emails, weren't you? No, that wasn't really. I know I'm going to get lynched for it. So, you know. I like the idea of legacy characters. Hell, Barry and Hal are legacy characters. I think the problem with the concept is creators who won't let the strips evolve once the baton is handed over to new characters. Mark Wade and Jeff Johns had finally made Wally West The Flash. I think the only one who wanted Barry to come back by the time of Final Crisis was Dan DiDio. I have less problems with Hal coming back because he was so horribly written off. The whole Emerald Twilight concept was just utter crap. Kyle Rayner was a good character, but his intro was marred by what was done to Hal. Had DC killed off Hal in heroic fashion, like Barry, I don't think the protests would have been as loud. It's all in the handling of the legacy concept from character to character. As a huge fan of James Robertson's Starman, which Cindy and I have been covering on Supermates, which is at its core based on this concept, I think it can be a great narrative device for exploring not only different approaches to heroism, but changing times as well. See, the problem again, though, that I have with that is everybody has to play ball, don't they? Yeah. You have to basically say, right, Barry Allen is now the Flash. We will never refer to Jay Garrick again. Yeah. How Wally West is now the Flash. We will never refer to Barry Allen again. Uh, but you you can't do that in corporate comics. No. Because you'll get... Uh, uh, Paul Levitz and um, Jeanette Kahn kind of kept that. Yeah. But as soon as Dan DiDio came in as head of the company, suddenly that's off the table. I want Barry back. Yeah. So that's that's my argument with the legacy thing with your corporates, is that you can't do it because you don't know ten, twenty, thirty years from now who's going to be in charge and what they're going to decide. Yeah. It's not all the vision of one person. Now Robert Kirkman can pick and take Invincible and make it a legacy character. Yeah. He can make Dick. It's not Dick Grayson, is it? It's Mark Grayson, isn't it? Mm. He could let Mark Grayson grow up and have kids, and they could take over from him. And you could analyse the effect there of the dilution of his powers. Yeah. Because he's only half Viltramite, isn't he? Yeah. So his kids would presumably only be a quarter Viltramite. Yeah, and he's got his brother as well. Yeah. So essentially you would get to a point where he would just be having human offspring, wouldn't he? I guess. Unless he starts mating with aliens with superpowers somewhere down the line. 
Yeah. So that's that's my, my problem with legacy characters is you can't do them properly in a concept over a grand period of time. Yeah. Because you don't know who's going to be in charge. But your readers will change as well. Yeah, be your readers that, should change. Yeah, there'll be someone out there who, when Barry Allen came back in Final Crisis, was the first time they'd ever met Barry Allen. Well, this is this is the point, isn't it? We are still here as readers. Yeah. I shouldn't be here anymore. Can't get rid of you, old folks. Yeah, we just, to read comics. we just keep wanting to read comics, don't we? See, this is the thing that's happening with Spider-Man at the minute. You will go a long way to find somebody who didn't like the Peter Parker Mary Jane marriage like I didn't. Right. But I didn't like it because of the concept. Yeah. I didn't like it because it was handled badly from the beginning. It was editorial mandate implemented wrongly and boneheadedly. If you right. read the issue before he proposes to Mary Jane... It kind of implies on the last page that he's just got it on with Felicia Harder. Right, okay. So you're like, what? Where's this coming from? So, but, Renew Your Vows, which is actually taking that one step further, like the Spider-Girl series did, is actually quite good. Right, okay. Because it is actually doing something with the idea of Peter Parker and Mary Jane being married and having a child. Right, okay. So that in and of itself is quite interesting. So is it an Elseworlds story, that night? It's a Secret Wars storyline. Oh, okay. So the Secret Wars has happened and it's changed the very fabric of reality, hasn't it? But when all this is finished, everything will just be back to normal. Yeah. I'm pretty much... I'll put money on that. Chris continues, Believe it or not, Green Lantern 1 was a nice relaunch, given Green Lantern had been floundering for years. As for Superman being the first hero of the modern age, DC seemed to hem and haw on that one too. Byrne wanted Superman as new as possible, but again, the rest of the DC history was relatively intact. More or less, all of Hal's history was the same as before. Hal was aged up quite a bit, but then that was retconned as parallax influencing. I can see your Superman Returns analogy because it is very introspective, but compared to what DC had done with him over in the GL core, Action Comics Weekly and other places, this was a step in the right direction. I hate to admit that the Grell Green Arrow is a blind spot for me. I had little access to comic shops during its heyday. It's been on my to-read list for several decades. I need to finally get on that, as I've only read The Longbow Hunters, which I thought was great. I agree Green Arrow worked with actually applying true mature themes to his world. Maybe this is because he was such a cipher from the get-go as a Batman knockoff. As much as I like Arrow, he still is, with all these adventures pretty much being DC TV version of the Nolan Dark Knight films, with a little grell thrown in to replace Miller and Loeb. Ultimately, I think the difference between the post-crisis DCU and the New 52 version is creative integrity. To me, the New 52 comes across as a last desperate attempt to inject new life into a slipping fanbase, whilst the post-crisis DCU was a rejuvenation of the line to capitalise on the awakening, maturing and expanding comics line, fully embracing the comic shop crowd and somewhat abandoning the kids at the newsstand based on the success of titles like New Teen Titans and Legion of Superheroes. The New 52 has no sacred cows at all, well, minus GL and Batman at first, and will throw anything at the wall to get publicity and attention. Post-Crisis DC seem to be really trying to find a good foothold for moving the characters forward without dismissing their basic essence, whilst picking up new, read Marvel, readers, without totally alienating the the existing fanbase. Editorial coordination of both could have been much better, but the post-Crisis changes to each title weren't as pervasive and absolute, so there was less kickback. A great set of episodes. Look forward to you covering the Bar Von Eden Green Arrow Mini. Go and dig that out of the long boxes now. Well, you should, because it was really good. We enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Andrew Morton's emailed in. Hey, Andy and Michael, I was listening to your coverage of Green Arrow 1. 
and thought I'd weigh in with my views of superheroes and killing. Mostly I have no problem with the act itself, but it depends on what happens next. Superman is a great case in point. In the post-crisis era, it showed Superman couldn't kill because his conscience would not let him live with it. In Man of Steel, I could buy that his character is shown in that movie would bring himself to do that, as I think it's very clear it was not a simple decision on his part. But my final judgment on it awaits on how it is dealt with in subsequent films, if indeed it is. My theory, based upon no research whatsoever as to why superheroes are held to a such a standard, is because they are quintessentially American, and we often hear about deaths during police action from across the pond. Superheroes tend to act as a police force for supervillains, and people want their heroes to be better than the world around them. It's also specifically a superhero phenomenon, as action heroes, your Bonds, Rambos and John McClane's, are expected to dispatch people liberally and pithily, as there is a cathartic joy in seeing bad guys get their just desserts. Thanks, Andrew Martin. Thank you, Andrew, for that. Do you have anything else, or did we did we do that to death? Uh, Why superheroes shouldn't kill people, or should kill people, or why do they not kill people? Hmm. Why are they held up to this ideal of non-killing? I think we talked about that quite a lot, didn't we? Last email for today, Sean Engels emailed in. Hello, Sean. I like it when Sean emails in. Hmm. My Deep Space Nine compatriot, Guy Gardner, massive cock description of the character or title of the Alex Braun Green Lantern porn parody you decide (laughs) massive that's the Green Lantern uh, porn parody it writes itself doesn't it I guess it does I'm yeah (laughs) hello Legacy Leylands I thoroughly enjoyed your coverage of the second tier hero reboots in the immediate post crisis of course since you covered Green Lantern you knew I would have to chime in of course you were right in your assessment of the book it's part one of an eight part story that returns Hal Jordan to the role of Green Lantern in the DCU and re-establishes the Green Lantern core that was disbanded in Green Lantern 200 when the Guardians of the Universe went to another dimension to make the beast with two backs with the Zamorons I'm not making that up it really did happen and yes Guy was at this time the only written, only being written as a thorn in the side to every major DC character, especially Hal. But again, later in the story, you see Guy working with Hal and admitting to himself that he has a deep respect for him. And this is after Guy was sucked into the Phantom Zone via Hal's lantern exploding on him, getting tortured physically and mental by General Zod and Sinestro, and having to endure watching Cardi Limbo go from being his girlfriend and potential fiancé to Hal's lover. Hell, she was the only woman Hal dated that managed to get him to walk down the aisle and almost get married, so you could see why Guy might hold a bit of a grudge. But although this first issue wasn't the best, the initial story in the run was spectacular, from Jones's writing to Broderick's art. Well worth a read if you can find the trade off single issues, and immediately after that we get a guy in his naught, and everything that I loved about Guy on the four-colour page. On a sadder note, I will miss Hey Kids when it finally comes to an end. Getting to listen to you on a weekly basis and hearing Michael mature as both a comic reader and a man was truly something special. And I thank you for sharing this with all of us over the past four years. My Thursday afternoons will be a little emptier without you, though. All the best, Sean Engel. Well, thank you very much, Sean. We appreciate that. That's basically our last paragraph. Yeah. Can't say I've matured much. (laughs) (laughs) Death ruined the moment. Yeah. Why don't you? Just completely, just stomp all over Sean's nice words. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, we'll knock it on the head there for emails because they went on a bit longer than we had anticipated. And we will be back after these commercial messages or messages. But I don't know, maybe I'll do one message, maybe I'll do two. Who can say? Who can say? Uh, well, yeah, what we do when we come back? Oh, All-Star Batman. Oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the right, comics brilliant. right here. All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder by Frank Miller and Jim Lee and various other people. Back in it. In February 2014, 
a new podcast dedicated to the Marvel Comics character, Adam Warlock, debuted. And the internet broke in half. Well, not really. Far from it, to be honest. But a few of you actually noticed, and we thank you for that. Over the course of 2014, we covered all of Adam's Silver Age adventures and have started on his Bronze Age solo series, as well as his current appearance in two Thanos specials. But it's time for a change. So I'm sad to announce that episode 20 will be the last episode of Resurrections and Adam Warlock podcast. However, I am pleased to announce that in 2015, we will premiere the first episode, which we will call episode 21 of Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Yes, the show is continuing, but now with more Thanos. Each month, we have John M. Wilson on as we cover an issue of Warlock, and the other episode of the month, we will continue to have Brian Zeno on to cover Thanos' appearances, starting with Captain Marvel 25. So join us in 2015 for Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, now with 20% more Thanos. As you may or may not have heard last week, we couldn't quite figure out what to make of all-star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Was it a satire that went over most people's heads, or was it really badly written pulp fiction? What side of the argument do you come down on? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I've read all of it. Having now read all ten issues with us sat here going, we still don't know what this is! DC wasn't sure to make of it either. Right. To be fair, uh, the series came to an abrupt halt with issues 11 and 12 solicited but never released. The last issue appeared in 2008, with any solicitations for future issues cancelled. In 2010, however, there was an announcement from Jim Lee that the series would return in 2011 as a monthly eggs, chicken, <laughs> counting, that kind of thing. The series would be renamed Dark Knight Boy Wonder and would run for six monthly issues with a definitive ending. <laughs> According to iFanboy, the direct quote from Jim Lee was, I feel terrible about how late the book fell behind. 100% of the blame falls upon my shoulders. So one of the reasons we chose the February 2011 start date was to ensure that Dark Knight Boy Wonder would ship regularly and on time. There are a number of reasons for its incredible delay, but rather than focus on what cannot be changed, I want to promise fans that they will see cool snippets and exclusive previews on this very blog, DC's The Source, in the coming months to whet their appetites for the next chapter of the story of The Dark Knight and Robin, the Boy Wonder. End quote. Lee can't have felt that bad about it. As we record this, it's the summer of 2015 and we're still waiting. None of this has happened. I've seen pencils. Yeah, yeah, there are some pencils and there was a yeah. Bill Senkevich variant cover solicited for issue 11 or 12, I think. I think it was issue 12. I'm sure the artwork's out, though. I'm sure it's finished, just not... I don't think he's finished all six. Maybe not. I'll be honest with you. Now, having read this to its completion, I don't see how he could wrap this up in six issues. Unless they're double-sized. Or he just rushes it. Or he just rushes it, yeah. That's my thinking. If there is artwork, there must be... 
Must be scripts. Yeah. Yeah, or plots at the very least yeah. for, for Jim Lee to have done. So the engine is out, though. I, I love that statement. I really do. I feel terrible the book fell behind. Well, you can't have felt that terrible because every book you've ever worked on has fell behind. Except Hush. Except Justice League. Hush didn't fall. Well, he's off Justice League. And he's out. It's crap. So there you go. 100% of the blame falls upon my shoulders. Okay, well, fair enough. Fair play to him. Accepting full responsibility. Uh, the thing is, I don't believe it is 100% him. I don't, he's accepting responsibility for it. Okay. Maybe he's taking a bullet for Frank. It could be. Could yeah. be that he's taking a bullet. The February 2011 start date was to ensure Dark Knight Boy Wonder would ship regularly and on time. To which you say, well, you've never managed that before. <laughs> so, True. let's be optimistic. I love my favourite bit. Rather than focus on one that cannot be changed, yeah, yeah. I.e., I was a lazy bastard and couldn't be bothered getting this out on time. Was that when he had his, his child? Which one? His sixth or his seventh? I don't know. I don't know. He can have as many kids as he wants. Yeah. But there's a nine month gestation period there where you're aware that this is going to happen. I think what he does is, if he feels as though he's fallen behind, he has a child. <laughs> he pops so he, another kid out yeah, yeah. and blames that. Yeah. Yeah, alright, fine. So he calls them after the book he's working on, and, yeah. and this one's a Dark Knight. Yeah. And this one's Superman Unchained. Yeah. Okay. So we're still waiting, is, is the uh, the practical upshot of that lovely statement yeah. where he promised us it would come out regularly and on time. Yeah. I mean, technically, remove the start date from that equation and he's not perhaps actually lied to us. I guess. When it does eventually come out... He's telling the truth. Maybe it will come out regularly and on time. Yeah. Do you think this will ever get finished? No. Right. Which is one of my big problems with the, the new one they just announced. Dark Knight 3... Yeah. What's it called? I have no idea. Broken Night, Dark Night, Holy Night, Some Silent Holy Night. Terror, Silent Night, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, my problem with that is, why is he doing an unwanted sequel to his original? To an unwanted sequel? Rather than, <laughs> rather than just finishing the already started origin. Why is he doing an unwanted sequel to something that we didn't want a sequel to, given that the sequel was already crap? Yeah. My, my point is, why start a new one? When we're already waiting for the origin that he started. Given that this had been rechristened Dark Knight. Yeah. So it was obviously going to be under the Dark Knight umbrella. Yeah. Why Why is that not being finished? Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Dark Knight 3 ever finishes. I guess, Or yeah. if Frank gets bored of that as well. He's yeah. rapidly becoming like Kevin Smith, isn't I think it? Azzarello's just going to take over by, by issue four or something. It'll just be Azzarello and Cubert. Yeah. And nothing to do with Frank Miller at all. Yeah. That seems fair enough. Absolutely. All right, carrying on where we left off last time. All Star Batman and Robin issue six has a really good cover. See, accentuate the positive. Batman and Black Canary stand in the background very stiffly because it's Jim Lee. Whilst in the foreground, in brighter colours, Batgirl, which is really a nice redesign. Yeah, I really like his redesign of Batgirl. Except here. for all the useless jewellery. Well, I was just going to say, she's wearing lots of earrings with the emblems of Batman. And how, how can she have a Robin? That's a good Robin point. doesn't actually exist yet. That's so true. she's wearing an earring with Robin's emblem on it of a character who doesn't, hasn't existed in the story yet. Yeah. So, good attention to detail there from Jim Lee. Uh, Green Lantern, Superman. It does strike me as... Um, a bit problematic to wear earrings like that when you're fighting crime. They're also not just earrings, they're all over a belt and such. Yeah, stuff. she has them over a belt as well, because it's Jim Lee, so he needs lots of little noodlings. Yeah. He, but for all the, remove them... He needs useless things to draw, yeah, rather than yeah, stories. Yes. Um, remove them, and it's actually quite a nice redesign. She's just... She doesn't have the cowl. She's got, like, a domino mask that's in the shape of a bat, which is a nice touch. 
Um, she's got a black body stocking on with yellow boots, yellow belt, yellow gloves, yellow cape, and the yellow bat emblem on her chest, which is good. And she's got rather cute freckles and red hair. Okay. Yay! Promote the gingers again, like we were the other week. As a redesign of Batgirl, I quite like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks quite cute. You know who she looks like? She looks like Silicon Valerie from Danger Girl. Oh, oh right. The red-headed oh, okay. computer geek. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. her entire personality. Yeah. Red-headed computer geek with freckles. Yeah. But it's just got Gamble, so that's obviously freckles. Uh, the Frank Miller cover is also of Batgirl, uh, and it's not awful. She actually looks quite cute. It's not awful. <laughs> is that damning? <laughs> it's not awful. Frank Miller's cover, what do you think? It's it's fine. It's all right, isn't it? It's not it's not the worst piece of work that he has done associated with this particular series. Although she's got lopsided arms, and she's got a very uh, mature body for a fifteen-year-old. girl. Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm saying. The Jim Lee one looks like a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, and in contrast to how we introduced Vicky Vale, uh, I do approve of the not overt oversexualization of a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, I think he's done a really good job with the. I think she's really quite cute. I think it's a really nice redesign, and she's covered from head to toe, and she actually looks like a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. She's not got huge attributes, and perfectly curved waist, and, and all that stuff. So, fair play to Jim Lee, though. Big thumbs up. Uh, should we, should we, do you have any preferences to cover? Just, you know? I, I, I don't know. I like the Jim Lee one. I think you could get Batman and Black Canary yeah, out of the equation. They, they just look really stiff and it's Jim Lee. posted on, though. It's Jim Lee. I guess. But uh, the Batgirl one looks really nice. So I like that as well. Anyway, story. The goddamn Batman is still patrolling and has had a fun evening of crippling rapists and pimps. Good night out for all concerned. <laughs> I think we'd agree. His evening is interrupted by the Black Canary, a goddamn amateur who's going to ruin everything. Speaking of amateurs, there's a new bat in town. A goddamn Batgirl who is Barbara Gordon, Police Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Gordon is smart enough to see that Barbara's backpack is rather heavy, it being full of grappling hooks and the like, but not that his own daughter has been inspired by the goddamn Batman. Elsewhere in the hospital, Vicky Vale has made a remarkable recovery from being dead and asked Jimmy Olsen to bring her all the info they have on the flying Graysons, Dick and Batman. She gets dressed to check herself out. Back at the docks, the Black Canary interrupts something, I wasn't really sure what, but was quickly surrounded by men with guns. Batman, meanwhile, has learned that Jocko Boy Vanzetti, the man who killed the Graysons, is being released right now, and he kicks the crap out of the corrupt cops. He's prevented from putting the hurt on Jocko Boy by gunfire, and he takes off to see what what. It's the Black Canary, to be sure, Boyle, and he pulls her to one side and leaps into the fray. Oh, sweet Jesus, says the Black Canary. It's the goddamn Batman. <laughs> Why, I... Oh, that wasn't Irish, was it? I, I don't know what the accent was. It was, it was an accent. <laughs> Burley. Yeah. I think it Burley qualifies as an accent. Um, beginning with uh, the hard-boiled narration that has become a trademark of this book, unlike some of the more periodic lines of earlier on, the beginning, the, the opening page of this is actually quite good. Right. Do you not think? Sometimes I wonder why I never sleep anymore, but not tonight. It's been that kind of night. The kind dreams are made of. The kind of night I was born for. On my way to the docks, I took out a trio of would-be rapists and left them with enough broken bone pain that would last them a lifetime. I fed a drooling mugger his teeth by the dozen. He's probably still coughing them up. I kicked a sadist bastard pimp through a pane glass window and kept right on kicking his sorry ass down the fire escape to a two-story fall onto a wet pavement that that woman-beating creep will never forget. Not even after six months in traction. 
There's nothing like some tasty little appetizers before a good, solid main course. <laughs> Come on, that's good. It's as good as it gets, it's, but it's, yeah. it's still... It's over the top. Yeah, we're going for ridiculous here. Yeah. This is what dreams are made of. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bled. This is why I think we've come down on the side of satire. Right, so we're not analysing it, we're, la- no, we're I, laughing I, with I'm, it. No, I'm now laughing with it. Okay. Either that, or immersing myself in ten issues of undiluted Frank Miller <laughs> has basically made me just see the world through Frank Miller's we're, eyes. We're getting undiluted now. We've been, you know, our language has been pretty tame, but here we see <laughs> bastard. For the first time, which is a, a... No, no, somebody's been called a bastard before. Have they? Yeah. It's, it's a descent into what will turn into uncensored. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden this just becomes profanity-laden, doesn't it? it there's one issue where... All it's it's all censored. Another issue where only half of it's censored, and then we just get the last issue where it's all out. Yeah, I mean Barbara Gordon is like she's fifteen year old girl with the biggest potty mouth in the boot. Yeah, yeah, she's it's quite remarkable. I always loved as a kid reading this for the first time. Yeah. Now, obviously, my vocabulary was not as wide as it may or may not be. <laughs> now it is. So, with my limited vocabulary, I quite liked working out what words they could be. Um, well, wasn't there some complaints that you could actually see through the yeah. black bars on this one? I can't see through them. Uh, you can see them poking out from underneath. Right. So maybe we got, I don't know, maybe we got the second which, print which symbol is like, or something. Did, did they print it? Did they then cover over it? Was it in the script? I don't, I don't know, because traditionally in comics you use ampersands and exclamation yeah. marks and so stuff don't you to signify swearing was the was the language actually in the script and the letter of the, the letter actually lettered it with the writing but it, then went over and it. then they've gone over it with the black pen I don't know I don't know why they did it this way it backfired on them spectacularly yeah because the amount of complaints they, uh, they received about it I mean they should have received complaints about this generally Batgirl's in this yeah. Kids love Batgirl. Robin. In the same way that they love Robin. Um, but then I smacked myself upside the head and remembered this was late 2000s DC and they were obsessed with mature and edgy. Yeah. They were, I think they severely underestimated the readership with this, though. Mm. I, think they were, I think they were trying to be, you know, funny and hipster and clever. Yeah, because there's the one later on where it's editor's notes, what he says is da-da-da, but it involves... Uh, yeah. And it's... Was that in the script, or... I don't know. Who is trying to be funny here? I don't know that any of them are trying to be funny. <laughs> Unless, like we've pointed out, is deliberately satire. Yeah, In which yeah. case, deliberately satirical, so I don't know. Uh, but what I did find funny about this one is that Miller just starts slipping the word goddamn into the dialogue everywhere. Yeah. Like he's trying to make a point or something. Could be. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like Gordon's dialogue when he's on the phone is horrible. I just want to the say... The thing it. I hate with this god... No, 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 okay. The thing I hate with this goddamn Batman... No, yeah, okay. Yeah. But the thing I really hate about this goddamn Batman... Oh, hey, daughter. Yeah. What I really hate about this goddamn Batman... The implication here is he's talking to Sarah Essen, isn't yeah. it? Who we all know he will have an affair or has been having an affair with or whatever. So why is he explaining to her stuff that she presumably already knows as a sergeant in the police force? Okay, it's an yeah. entirely expository phone conversation yeah. to explain to the audience who he is and what's going on with him and who Sarah is yeah. in a really bad way. Sarah would know all of this. True. It's yeah. terrible. It's really, really badly written. Yeah. The Commissioner Gordon stuff is really... This is a bad introduction for Commissioner Gordon. And then he disappears for four issues. Yeah. 
as, as with everything Frank Miller's done in this, let's throw another <laughs> character in. Let's forget about him for four issues. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shockingly bad. Commissioner Gordon, who's on the phone to a woman he's having an affair with, in front of his daughter, who knows? Who knows? Of his wife, who knows? Do you think, do you think the wife knows? Yeah, she does. That's why yeah. she's drinking. Yeah. I thought she was just drinking because she's in a Frank Miller comic book. That's it. <laughs> My career has come from this. It's like Christian Bale having that outburst on Terminator Salvation. Yeah. He's looking down the barrel of his career, spiralling out of control. She's the same. As a comic book character, she's worked with the greats, and now she's stuck in a Frank Miller book, and she's just knocking back the whiskeys. It's yeah. just too much for her. Or I thought it was, anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, all right. Um, this definitely takes place in Batman Year One continuity, doesn't it? Because there are definitely nods to it with mentions of Flass. Yeah. And, and Sir and stuff. The only difference is the Bruce Wayne in Batman Year One wasn't a raging psychopath. Which is what comes back to what I was saying last week in that the first two Dark Knight books, he's a psychopath, yeah. but that works because that's what he became after what we've been reading for how many years? Yeah. To turn him into worse than he is in the original stories before those stories doesn't work. Yeah, he's already a psycho here. Yeah. Isn't he? So, alright. Uh, Barbara's got posters on a wall, the trade cover to Dark Knight Returns. Which is cute. Which is a cute touch, yeah. Uh, she's also got Adam West. Yeah. And a pow bam Batman on a wall. So I didn't I didn't quite know what to make of that. She's also got copies of 300 Sin City, Watchmen and Gen 13 trade paperbacks. Alright, I didn't notice that. You don't see them, though. No. Ah, right. And she's got a copy of martial arts and a copy of Watchmen oh she's got a copy of Watchmen there as well of course of course yeah so she only reads the hipster graphic novels yeah that everyone tells her she has to read and the books that Frank Miller wrote and the book that Frank Miller wrote because Jim Lee's trying to be cute yeah look at look at me Frank Frank look I do like the, the magnificent full page splash of, of Barbara Gordon's bedroom sod off that furthers the story immensely yeah doesn't it so yeah so that's look okay. she really is a teenage girl yeah uh, full page splash of Batgirl leaping out into the rain it's, it's cute it's a nice nice piece of art yeah doesn't further the story in anywhere uh, Jimmy Olsen shows up Jimmy apparently works for the Gotham Gazette not the Daily Planet he's the bad guy in Dark Knight Strikes again isn't he is he I think he is it's been a while since I read it but I think he's the bad guy right okay um, as far as I recall I quite like this scene yeah I quite like this scene Vicky Vale's back she's fine she's not dead we know that she's fine because we get a magnificent shot of her lovely pert bottom in one of those gowns that yeah. doesn't fasten at the back, so she's obviously okay. In all fairness to Jim Lee, he could have drawn that gown open. He could. So maybe maybe he got told not to, I don't know. But yeah, Vicky Vale getting changed in front of Jimmy and Jimmy having a coronary. Yeah. That yeah. was funny. I admit that that, that was, was very funny. Uh, there's a throwaway line of dialogue that says that Vicky's housekeeper brought her a change of clothes mm. in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's a great housekeeper. She needs to keep hold of her. <laughs> Unless she was only at Vicky's house because she was shagging the pool boy. There could be that, yeah. And it was just pure coincidence <laughs> that Vicky called her own house yeah. to say, is there any chance that you can pick up some clothes from it? And she's in the middle of, ah, yeah, any minute. Just a bit busy. <laughs> yeah. Cleaning the pool. I like the, um, the note from Bruce Wayne. She's got, I'm sorry for Alfred's driving. Yes, it was Alfred who drove yes, through the car. It was Alfred who nearly killed you. Yeah, yeah. not the goddamn Batman. I love that's Bruce in denial. That isn't it? It, it is. Yeah, totally Bruce in denial. I'm yeah. sorry for driving my tank through your car. Hope you'll forgive me. Was Black Canary Irish last issue? Yes. Was she? Yeah. Right, because uh, in here they actually make a point of saying, "Oh, she sounds like a goddamn leprechaun." Yeah, it's, they go really out of their way to. 
to emphasise the Irish. I don't even know what she's saying. She calls herself with a different name every other pe- uh, panel. And it's like, this Colleen, this Kate, this da-da-da-da-da. Well, is she not referring to her friends, though? I don't... I, is that what it is, then? I don't... Let me have a look. Da-da-da-da. My dear friend Kate's just made her rent. Okay, right. So she's taking the money from these guys and giving it to friends. I just didn't get what she was doing. So she's not schizophrenic. True. She's actually being a little bit of Robin Hood. It would have made more sense if he was schizophrenic. It would have made more sense if she was mad as a hatter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm surprised he's not showing up yet. True, yeah. But uh, she'd probably kick his teeth out. Probably. Like she literally does with everyone else in this book. I just don't get what Black Canary's doing. I don't get what her point in the story is. I, I know. If you're going to have somebody who's influenced by Batman, they've got Batgirl. Yeah. So having Black Canary as well... But obviously we've not got the end of the story. I probably never will. Yeah. So you can just guess. We don't have the here. last issue. No, 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 I'm lying to you. I'm absolutely... She's here to fuck Batman. Yeah, in the yeah. Next issue. That's, that's why she's here. <laughs> Simple as that. We mentioned the timeline quite a bit in the last episode, but it's just as whacked in this episode. The Batman stuff still seems to be taking place on the same night. Yeah. Because he references the rapists that he took down at the end of last issue. Yeah. And then he's done a bit in between issues as well that we didn't see, but that's fine. But then there's a jump to three hours ago for Batgirl, to five hours ago for Jimmy and Vicky. However, the Black Canary stuff from last issue took place six months ago. But she arrives here as if it's the same night. Yeah. Plus, Vicky Vale is out of intensive care and just fine overnight. Does yes. any of this make any sense? No. Good. Not <laughs> just me, though. Um, to be honest, despite Robin not appearing in this issue at all, mm. I actually quite enjoyed this. Yeah. It's one of the better issues of the series, isn't it? Yeah. The one with- where Batman gets to punch stuff and... <laughs> A bit crazy, the fun ones. Yes, yes it is. I mean, the, the Batman's narration and dialogue are hysterical. Yeah. It's like, really, Clint Eastwood couldn't pull this stuff off <laughs> in the Dirty Harry films. And if you read it like that, it's actually a lot of fun. This Batman, like you say, he's not a detective. True. He's a thug, he's a leg breaker, he doesn't have a brain in his body despite him constantly banging on about how intelligent he is. Oh, the Green Lantern one. Yeah, when we get to the Green Lantern one, I'm smarter than you! (laughs) Yeah, you keep saying that, Bruce, and maybe we'll believe you eventually, one day. He's a far cry from the character as written by people like Chuck Dixon and Doug Mensch and Jerry Conway. The timeline's stupid. The art's pretty good. Miller is really taking the piss with the constant uses of the word goddamn. But in and of itself, I quite enjoyed that issue. Yeah. I didn't think it completely sucked. I do realise that when we say stuff like that, it's faint praise. Okay. In the context of the overall naffness <laughs> that was this series, this one was bad. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of issue six? It's... The, the Batman bits are fun. It's just... Because <laughs> they're so ridiculous. Yeah, but it is the point where everything, everyone else is just getting thrown into it. There's no story. There's not. And um, whenever there is one, it's always small. Yeah, it's three pages out of the issue will progress yeah. the story ever so slightly. Yeah. But, yeah, alright. Issue seven's Jim Lee cover has Batman and Black Canary beating people up. As you may expect. Frank Miller's cover has Batman in a beaten up and torn costume running into the wind with dirt and crap all around him. The Frank Miller one's actually quite crap. I actually quite like that one. Really? It's Frank Miller. There's nothing to it. What's he holding in his hand? One of his 
nightsticks, club sticks. Oh, right, that he's stolen off one of the coppers. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. I quite like it because it's Frank Miller doing. <laughs> doing being Frank Miller. Yeah. Yeah, alright, I can't argue with that. Uh, Batman continues to laugh like he's insane whilst he beats the crap out of the ruffians who are attacking the Black Canary. They are so scared they start killing each other, which delights Batman! No, he really laughs at it! He decides not to waste the thermite that he brought with him and sets them on fire for good measure. That's a good night out for the goddamn Batman. The Black Canary is so turned on by all of this that she throws herself on him and they get it on right there on the docks. I am not making this up. Truly, it can be said, he is the bat that got the canary. Yeah, you see what I did there? Uh, he's not interested in any post-coital conversation, though, offering her a lift home, but he tells her to shut up whenever she talks, despite him being a tad turned on by her Irish accent. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Quite frankly. Back in the cave, Dick has killed a rat. Fair enough. Batman rocks up and drops Jocko Boy at Dick's feet, telling him to make a choice. Avenger or Detective. Seeing as the Avengers are a different comic book company, Dick chooses Detective, and he proceeds to show his innate and well-honed detective skills by simply kicking Jocko Boy in the balls until he talks. Batman doesn't like what he hears. That was 22 pages. It was. That was 22 pages of plot. There was a fight, there was some sex, there was some more fight. That's all around. That would sound like a perfect combination. <laughs> I said like that. It sounds like a good <laughs> yeah. film, doesn't it? There's some fighting. There's some sex. There's some fighting. That's an episode of Spartacus, right there. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fight scene was great. <laughs> oh, they brought all this bleach, and I brought all this thermite. <laughs> Batman's opening line is just magnificent. Striking terror. <laughs> Best part of the job. is beat up a bunch of losers laugh when they start shooting their own that bit was genius they're shooting scared they're shooting stupid they're killing their own life is good (laughs) (laughs) and then he does this and women just throw themselves at him yeah is this the third or second or third time that he saved a woman who's then just been like oh take me I'm yours yeah pretty much it's the only time he's, he's taken up on it. Maybe he doesn't want any bat babies. But so this was hysterical. And Batman's the Joker as well. Has <laughs> anyone ever told you you're hot? None of the last few days. That was genius line. Absolutely genius. Come on, that's a comedy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and S- then... Sim- symbolic lightning strike. And then... We keep our masks on. It's better that way. Batman likes a... Yeah. <laughs> Batman's a fetishist. Yeah. So, he's just... I can't and Black Canary get it on on the docks. He knows how to show a girl a good time. Especially given what we learn about him and Catwoman later. It could only get better if he slapped her around a bit. Yeah, well, and he shags her. He shags Catwoman in a rat-infested cave. Yeah. He's a millionaire! He can afford five-star hotels! And this is where he gets his rocks off. He, he likes the whole mask thing. This is just... Oh, God. I, I do love that line you mentioned. Has anyone mentioned you're totally hot? Not for the last few days. This has to be a comedy. And it's brilliant. I'm the goddamn Batman. I can call my goddamn car whatever the hell I want to call it. I've taken enough grief. I can't call 
stealing my goddamn car, the goddamn Batmobile. He really is a child who just never grew up. I have come round to Frank Miller's way of thinking. Oh, yeah. This is genius. Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't argue. <laughs> um, Superman can't fly, which is why he was running everywhere right. last time. Batman has figured out that Superman can fly. Okay. Because Batman is really, really, really smart. Right. We only know Batman is really, really, really smart because he keeps telling us. Yeah. That he's really, really, really smart. But at least he's got bored of telling us that Dick Grayson is twelve. So that's yeah, nice. So far. So far, yeah. Mainly because Dick Grayson's been forgotten about. Yeah. In this I series. Think he's about 14 now. Yeah, he's grown up a bit now. Uh, Black Canary puts into words the universally accepted theory for why Batman needs Robin, that without one he's borderline crazy. Batman acknowledges this and says, yeah, I may be half crazy, but the other half's fine. And then tells her to shut up. Yeah, every time she talks to him, he says, shut up. Yeah. That's it. And, but then he's like, um, whenever she talks, he gets all horny because yeah, he's in yeah. on the accent. But whenever she tries to talk, he says, "Shut up." Yeah, he's he's got to play the image. He can't he can't let her know that he wants her. I hope he's got condoms in that utility belt. <laughs> bat condoms with little bats on them, <laughs> ribbed ribbed bat condoms. Oh god! <laughs> For Black Canary's pleasure. That's how he's got all his money. He's got this whole range of bat sex toys that he sells out of Wayne Enterprises sex shop. Black Canary costumes and everything. I really don't know how to take this. Because it's Which probably true. I think it's something Black Canary said. Oh! The, the bat-headed dildo. Um, Black, <laughs> Black Canary calls the Batmobile pretty queer. And then uh, he heads back to the cave with Jocko Boy. When they get back to the cave, the Black Canary is nowhere to be seen. Uh, just the seat. <laughs> is it implied he just took her home? I guess, yeah. So after he's finished with her, he gives her a lift home. So he's not a complete scumbag. He, he, I think he asked for uh, gas money on the way back. <laughs> I would buy that. <laughs> you owe me $10 for gas. <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, Batman brings Jocko Boy to Dick. Demands to know whether Dick's going to be an Avenger or a detective. Is this irony, given that Batman has done absolutely zero detective work throughout this entire series? I, I think we're supposed to believe that he's the same Batman who was a detective. Right, okay. He's run around. Yeah. He laughs like a loon. <laughs> he kicks the crap out of people. He sets people on fire. He puts people in jail. He yeah. laughs when they shoot at themselves. And he shagged Black Canary. But he's not actually done any detective work, has he? It's some pretty decent detective stuff, actually, because if you hit enough people, you're bound (laughs) to find the right guy. So basically, that's his his entire detective skill bank. Trial and error punch. punch people in the face. Yeah. And shag Black Canary. Yeah. Let's not forget that bit. That's an important plot point. See, what he was actually doing was he was getting the upper hand in the relationship (laughs) that he could use her. Later on. Yeah. All right, okay. Um... Like here, Batman's idea of detective work seems to consist of letting Dick keep the crap out of Jocko Boy. I got that it was him taking out his anger for killing his parents. It's not detective work, though, is it? Oh, he's not a detective yet. Oh, right. Okay, (laughs) fair enough. That's not what Batman says. True. Batman says he's a detective. Yeah, because Batman says so. (laughs) Because I say so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I did like um, 
Uh, this this kind of scene in general, though. Why? I don't know. I just like Dick's response to it. Kicking the crap out of it. Cut his mouth open, then kick him about a bit. Uh, well, he cuts the tape that's... That's an awful lot of blood for cutting the tape, though. Yeah. He's just lost his top lip. I, I think you're right as well. Yeah, that's, that's a bit much. Uh, speaking of detective work, though, Batman tells Jocko Boy that this is Dick Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not going to last long, isn't it? No. Later on, it's implied that Batman drowns Jocko. Yeah, I, well, that's what I thought as well, but we'll get there when we get to it. Uh, this one's really odd. It's as bat crazy as the other issues, but it's not completely risible. Mm. Again, within the context of this series, it's actually fun to read. Now that we're reading this as over-top satire. Yeah. As we've said before, there's much to enjoy if you read it as completely bad. <laughs> A lot of enjoyment from bad stuff. Yeah. Do you like that one? Uh, uh, the Black Canary Batman sex scene. That serves <laughs> that's, no That purpose. scene, those between the panel <laughs> scenes. Oh, damn, it's just ridiculous. So does that, that mean he's quite... He's quite sure if it happened just during the thunderclap. During one thunderclap. Yeah. Maybe that's why she talks a lot afterwards. Maybe she's just very unimpressed. I, I guess so, yeah. yeah I don't know. Anyway. So, so was, was that it? Is that all the bat ass to offer? You'd have to ask Catwoman in later, when we get there in later issues. Uh, issue 8 has the cover that launched Jared Leto's career. The Joker stands with his back to us, a large dragon tattooed on it, as he cleans blood off his hands with the tattered cape and cowl of the Batman. Blood spatter is all over the wall in the background. It's a rather bland and uninteresting cover. It's pretty crap. Yep. And I don't like this Joker either. No, I don't like I hate this Joker. Yeah. I think he's awful. Uh, there's no Frank Miller cover for this. I wonder why. <laughs> Do you think the backlash was being felt at this point? Yeah, yeah, probably. They still should, sold by the bucket load. Yeah, let's yeah. let's not just let's not um, mix criticism with sales figures. This sold through the roof. That being said, though, I think everyone, at least a little bit, likes Batman. <laughs> that is new name. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Neil Adams cover is really rather good. It's one of those that's quite difficult to explain. It's the Batman and the Joker both existing in an illusory... Is that the right word? Illusory type image where if you look at it one way you see the Joker. Yeah. And if you concentrate on it in a different way, it's Batman. I think it's it's quite an excellent cover. Yeah, it benefits from being black and white Yeah, as well. Yeah. I think it's a really good cover. I think it shows Frank Miller... Frank Miller Neil Adams has still got it when he puts his mind to it. When he puts his mind to it. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a great cover. I think it's the best cover of the series. Batman's actually really tiny when you look at it. Yeah, because it doesn't quite work if mm. you actually analyse the structure of the art. Yeah. But in and of itself, it's a clever piece of artwork. Mm. So that's, that's alright, yeah. Uh, the Joker has picked up a woman in a bar and taken her to a seedy hotel room. When the deed is done, we learn that she is Donna Guagina, an attorney with a passion for hunting child molesters. The Joker strangles her. What else can he do? He loves her, in his own special way. The Joker then pops over to see Catwoman. In the cave, the Batman brings Dick up to speed on who the Joker is. If the Joker is indeed responsible for killing Dick's parents, then that means something bigger is afoot. He forbids Dick from coming with him until he has a mask and a costume, which Dick thinks is queer. Irrespective, Batman leaves him in the cave, but as he drives to Gotham, a strange signal lights the sky, the symbol of the Green Lantern Ring. Batman's all like, Oh, jeez, what does that moron want? Back in the cave, Dick asks the strange disembodied British voice to get him some tights and a hood whilst the Batman meets up with Green Lantern. Batman is a complete ass to GL, no surprise though, and tells him they will only talk at a time and place of his choosing. Still in the cave, Dick shows Batman his new costume. 
Batman proves that a hood would be most impractical for crime fighting, tells him to ditch it and change his name. From now on, he's Robin. Whereas Dick wanted to call himself The Hood. Or Arrow. Yeah, that would be good as well. Um, do you think this is going to be the Joker of the Suicide Squad movie? I really uh, hope not. It's a moderately valid interpretation of the Joker. Certainly the one that DC have been pursuing for the past couple of years well, or the so. Joker's not funny at all. Yeah, he's just, just he's just a sadistic killer. Yeah. Yeah, I prefer the Joker who didn't just kill people to rack up a body count. I preferred him who only killed when it was funny. Yeah. I mean, there may be a reason he kills this woman. He doesn't even smile. No. Once. No, he doesn't. That's absolutely true. He's just a murderous, vicious psychopath with no other redeeming qualities. This isn't the Joker other than he's got pale skin and green hair. Yeah. That's my big problem with it. He's, He's only here because... Miller's thrown in as many back characters as possible, regardless of whether they actually Im- 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 yeah whether they actually are important to the plot or whether they actually are the characters. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's the Joker in in only in appearance. Yeah, this isn't the Joker as we know him in traditional comic books. Uh, the women with the Nazi swastikas over the nipples are back. Yay! We've been clamouring for their return. Okay. Why, were these an actual thing? Yeah, they were in Dark Knight Returns. Oh, right, okay. And you were like, what was the point of them then? But apparently they work for the Joker now. Oh, okay. Maybe they work for the Joker in Dark Knight Returns, I don't remember. Right. I just remember him snapping his own back in Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah. And blaming Batman for it. Uh, Yeah, like you said, this opening scene, it isn't amusing, it isn't interesting... It isn't the Joker. You're it absolutely right. Pay off. It That's all we see of the Joker. Um, no, he has a scene with Catwoman later. He does very briefly. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, we never see the cat. Never see the Joker again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was leading somewhere important. Yeah, yeah. And we will never get to find out why. Uh, no, Batman. Dick not killing Jocko Boy doesn't make him a born detective. It just makes him not a cold-blooded killer. Yeah, I think somebody needs to buy Batman a dictionary of what the definition of a detective is. Mm. Because Batman seems to think it's not killing people right. and beating the crap out of people until they tell you what they want you to know. Yeah. I don't think that's being a detective. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Uh, Batman is a complete arrogant asshole to Dick Grayson throughout the, the opening scene. Although at least there's some decent dialogue here. Mm. There's something to read for once instead of looking at Jim Lee's pretty pictures. Uh, he asks Dick if he knows what a psychopath is. Dick should have replied, "Yeah, I'm looking at one." Okay, that yeah. would have been much funnier than what we actually got here. Dick thinks costumes are queer and secret identities are lame. So basically, he could be any hipster superhero writer currently working at DC or Marvel. Or he's just—I reckon he's Frank Miller. You're in. I reckon uh, through Dick Grayson and mm. even Black Canary, yeah, Frank Miller's just taking the piss out of Batman. I think he's taking the piss out of Batman, superhero comics, and readers. Yeah, I honestly think, all seriousness aside, about us debating whether this is satire that's gone over people's heads. I don't think it went over people's heads. I think the majority of the audience saw that this is essentially the comic book equivalent of the Big Bang Theory. Okay. It's the comic book equivalent of laughing at you, not with you. But it's Frank Miller is writing seriously. You th- I don't think he is. I think he's seriously writing a story that he's then trying to be funny by taking the piss out of what he is seriously writing. I don't think he's seriously writing it. 
I don't think he's treating this with any degree of respect or seriousness whatsoever. I think he's just throwing crap at the page and cashing the paycheck. I think he's got no emotional investment in it. I don't think he's in any way interested in telling an interesting or even coherent story. Yeah. I don't think he's even interested in furthering his own Dark Knight stuff. I think he. I honestly think, like I say, he's laughing at the character, he's laughing at the audience, and he's laughing at the company. And I think he's doing it all with two giant fingers up towards everybody who's reading, buying, and publishing this. And the fact that DC let him get away with yeah, it for so long not is one, remarkable. Not one person at DC will say anything bad about this. No. It's been given an absolute reprint. Exactly. It doesn't not. even deserve a trade reprint. No, well, this is, this is what I've said uh, later on. It's like any single story will get published if Jim Lee had something to do with it doesn't matter that there's other work by better creators out there that remains unpublished. This, this piece of tripe it's just, it's, gets think, an absolute edition. Honestly, I think it's more a Miller than Lee. You think? Yeah. Because, alright, why is For Tomorrow in constant reprint rotation? Brian Azzarello's no Frank Miller. I mean, I know he's a popular creator, his work just goes over my head. Right. But he's a popular creator. Okay. But if Jim Lee hadn't drawn For Tomorrow, do you think For Tomorrow would be in an absolute edition? Uh, I wouldn't know. I've not read. I've not read for tomorrow. All I've got is your word on it that it's dull. You should read it. The internet's word on it that it's the next best thing. The internet love for tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Really? It's. I've heard. I've also, so the hive mind's over there yeah. once again. I'm wandering down the loneliest road I can find with my little bottomless the, brown bag. The only bad thing I've heard about for tomorrow is from you. It's boring <laughs> as hell. I can't. Well, maybe I'm wrong then. Maybe that series be, is, yeah. is well regarded and deserves its absolute edition. <laughs> I think it's also tripe. Unless DC are like Microsoft and they bribe journalists to say they're really yeah. good. I would like somebody who worked at DC at this time who doesn't work for DC now to actually just come out and say, yeah, no, it's crap, innit? Like, did they pay the work staff to say, yeah, it's great stuff, this? Yeah, nobody, nobody says a bad word about this in the DC echelons. Yeah. So, alright, fair enough. Uh, anyway, anytime uh, Batman asks Dick to say something, to ask him questions or anything, yeah. Dick does so, and then Batman says, "Shut up!" Yeah. So that's stupid. I hate this brat. Yeah. I'm liking this brat. Yeah. This little snot. He's proper schizophrenic, isn't it? He's yeah. like, I hate this brat. I love this brat. He's a little snot. He's got potential. <laughs> it's like he vacillates between panels yeah. on what he thinks of him. Can Dick not turn around and say, I actually didn't have a choice in this. Can yeah. I go home, please? Can, yeah, can Dick not just say, uh, actually, I think I want to leave now. Yeah. I've got parents to bury. And there are people that are possibly worried about me. Yeah, well, we'll get to that later, concerning timelines, won't we? Um, he does ask Batman how he can even have a secret identity when everyone saw Batman kidnap him. To yeah. which Batman replies, I'll think of something. He's not that smart, he just kind of wings it. Yeah. Literally. That's, that, I think that's that's it. That This is a Batman who isn't as smart as he likes to think he is, or as he likes to tell us that he is. Which would actually make for quite an interesting read, if Batman thinks he's smart, but is actually... Dumb as a post. Yeah. Yeah. And what? And Dick's the smart one. Yeah. As we go along through the story, Dick's the clever one, and Batman's just an asshole. Mm. Yeah. All right, that would work. That would actually be quite, uh, actually quite clever. Uh, going to what Michael said earlier on, Batman tosses Jocko Boy into Gotham River, River, sorry, with his hands still tied behind his back. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's untied his wrists. 
So I suppose he could doggy paddle his way to safety. I guess. But for all intents and purposes here, he's thrown Jocko Boy into the harbour to drown. <laughs> yeah, he'll know it's, it's permanent. Welcome to hell. Yeah. It's a lie, but a good one. I love my job. <laughs> he smiles as well. Oh, oh dear, 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 dear me. And this is the bit we've got that you were talking about earlier on. We can't print Jocko Boy's response due to standards of decency. The response demands an anatomical impossibility. But you can publish a 15-year-old girl swearing like a sailor. And it gets worse later on. Yeah, she's, she's even worse later. So it's just, you know, what's his name? Um, Dick finds some bows and arrows and, and such in the armoury and then just conjures up the image of Robin Hood out of nowhere. Yeah. Does Oliver Queen have something to say about this? Or does he not care what Oliver Queen has? Probably, you goddamn lunatic! You'll get us all killed! <laughs> and then he'll cut his arm off. Oh no, yeah. Superman does that, doesn't he? Mm. Superman cuts Green Arrow's arm off. And of course, when Batman confronts Green Arrow, he's stuffing his face with a hot dog. Green Arrow's an idiot. Green, uh, Green Lantern, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Green Lantern's an utter idiot. Everyone but Batman's I've so seen, stupid. I've seen more intelligent hockey pucks. He's as dumb as a post. <laughs> This clown makes oversized egg beaters and mouse traps and vacuum cleaners when he could set the whole world straight with that ring. What a damned idiot. The things I do with power like that. He's worse than Kent. It's just... It's terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible, this issue. And of course he knows that he's Hal Jordan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Batman, as he keeps telling us, is very smart. Oh, it's later on, isn't it, where it's badly written. It's like, old Jordan, brackets. Yes, Hal Jordan, I know who you really are, Jordan. I'm just smarter than you. Close brackets. Old Jordan. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's absolute. This issue's not one of the better ones. <laughs> I think uh, we'll agree. It's, it's had its its peak. Yeah, it's peak now. It peaked with issue six and seven. Yeah, we're we're, we're we're we've actually got to again. the point where this is this is comedy. It's funny, and now you're like, actually, no, it's a little bit crap. Yeah, but you like that all the way through reading it, aren't you? Mm. Um, Batman's jealous of Green Lantern and Superman because they have power that he doesn't. He imagines what he could do with unimaginable power and laments that it's in the hands of morons like Kent and John. There's a lot of Batman psychology on display, though. Yeah, he really is just a small child. Yeah. Why does nobody like my things? My things are really cool. It's Michael Scott as Batman. (laughs) Okay. Isn't it? That's what this is. Yeah. He's a petulant man-child, and it's all about him. Yeah. That's what he is. It's Michael Scott. Uh, eight issues into the story, Miller just keeps introducing new balls into the air yeah. to keep juggling without taking out any of the old ones. Mm. So now he's got, what, nine, ten, eleven new characters just not doing anything. We've got multiple narrative arcs going on here, new subplots being introduced, no momentum on the old ones going mm. forward, any clue that they will be addressed or that they will come together. And at the rate this story is currently paced, it's going to be 30 issues before we get to the conclusion of any single storyline. Which pays, plays into mind, there's no way they could wrap this up in six issues. Yeah. I really don't think unless that's possible. Unless it's very, very... Unless they really do do a really good job of compressing it. Yeah. Which I would probably like, if they don't go down the decompress route like this is. It does read like it's been written for somebody with the attention span of a brick. Right. But who cares? Jim Lee draws it. Well, I remember reading it when it first came out, and I would read them when the issues first came out, and I didn't remember anything, but it looked nice. Yeah, it does. It looks pretty. Batman punch stuff. Yeah, Batman punches people's teeth out. Yeah. That's good. And yeah. it was one of those things where I didn't have a problem with what was going on, because I couldn't remember what was going on. Yeah, I think that's the thing. If you were reading this as it came out, you were, you didn't remember what happened last month. 
Yeah. Because last month was six months ago. But when you're reading it in a co- cohesive whole like this, it doesn't hold up. No. In any way whatsoever. So it, it really did benefit from its delays. Yeah. Because you'd. But I think Frank Miller forgot what he'd done last time. True, yeah. Because that's the only explanation for a lot of it. And, you know, we've solved the mystery of who shot the Graysons. It's the Joker. But yeah. we still don't know why or, or what because for. Because having him shoot Bruce Wayne's parents was such a, a, such a good Well, are we going to find that out later, that the Joker did that at all? Yeah. Well, that doesn't jibe with year one, does it? No. So you would have to contradict year one to do it. Um, we've got the JLA, the Black Canary, Commissioner Gordon, Barbara Gordon... Vicky Vale, Jimmy Olsen and Catwoman who've all been introduced over the past couple of issues and then have done absolutely nothing other than get in the way of the real story which is the origin of Dick Grayson. Yeah. And it just feels like he's just throwing more and more crap into this to obfuscate that the main plot should just be the origin of Dick Grayson. And it's as empty and hollow as a drained beer glass. Yeah. Ultimately. There's nothing... To it. Did you like issue seven or eight or whatever the hell that was? Uh, not really. All right. We we've had a peak now and it's just not very good. Yeah, it's downhill from here. It, it, I had to force myself to keep reading these issues. Did, I had to force myself to read nine and ten. Yeah, I was I was getting bored of it by this point. Uh, issue nine's Jim Lee cover evokes Jack Burnley's cover for Batman issue nine from February March nineteen forty two. Batman and Robin are caught in a spotlight and wrap their capes around them to escape detection. It's also a homage to the credits of the nineteen sixty six Batman movie. It's not a bad cover. The Neil Adams cover has Robin with bloody knuckles choke holding a bloody and scared looking Green Lantern. Who trying to refuel his ring as Batman casually reads in the background. Artistically, the Neil Adams cover is okay. Uh, the Jim Lee one's a nice poster image. Not really got anything else to say about them, to be honest with you. Mm. Robin looks as insane as Batman on the cover to the Neil Adams one. Yeah, I'm not really sure what I make of the Adams one either. Uh, it's, artistically, it's fine. Artistically, it looks a bit too, too, too cramped. It's the colouring. Sure. The colourings, that computer colouring, it, it doesn't help the image whatsoever. Like you said, the Joker one was better because it was in black and white. Mm. Uh, the Batman Robin poster cover's okay. It's Jim Lee drawing a poster cover of Batman and Robin. You get what you expect. Um, Batman confronts Green Lantern at a safe house of his choosing. He has painted the whole room yellow. And he, and Robin as well, he's painted over the costumes. Not in any way camp. Not in any way something they would do on the 60s TV show. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a very serious Batman. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern's major weakness is, of course, yellow, and then Batman openly mocks Green Lantern and teases his lack of intelligence. He convinces him that this isn't Dick Grayson, who is actually in a trauma ward somewhere safe, and this is a completely different kid. One who is so quick he can steal jewellery off someone's hands, in this case a Green Lantern ring. Green Lantern is annoyed at this, but Robin takes him out easily in a fight, but goes much too far when he punches him in the throat and busts his trachea. Batman has to perform a tracheotomy to save his life. He fears that he may have gone too far and takes the boy to the Grayson's grave to grieve. That was it. It was, yeah. Uh, The opening to this comic is simply stunning. And not in, in a good way. In a, your draw has dro- dropped that DC has let a creator openly mock one of the top tier characters like this. Yeah. This opening scene is... Batman's had Robin paint the entire room yellow, like the High Plains Drifter, where he yeah. paints the town red. Including himself from head to toe, so the paint's actually dripping off his costume. 
at various stages. Unless it's actually more gold than yellow because yellow would look a bit horrible. Yeah, it would. It would look like bright yellow would look quite silly. And he's made Robin do all of this. He's just sat there with his feet up drinking lemonade yeah. while all this was going on. Now. I, I acknowledge that Green Lantern's weakness being the colour yellow is a tad stupid. Yeah. But this is essentially... This makes Green Lantern a laughing stock. Which is probably why John's got rid of it as soon as. Well, this isn't in continuity, but he got yeah. rid of the weakness to yellow, didn't he? Mm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's, there's a lot to read here. There's a lot of dialogues in this. Of course we're criminals. We've always been criminals, says Batman when Green Lantern says... Yo, this lemonade really is a godsend. Yeah. A warm day like this. It's... I, I can't... I don't know. What, what did you think of this beginning? I, I, I really liked it. What, in a satirical way? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a 1960s Batman TV show comedy scene. It's... I, I really did. What? You think he's Dick Grayson? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was played quite funnily. And like, even Robin's getting in on it. Yeah, hey boss, maybe I am Dick Grayson. <laughs> and this is like when they, they give Batman a pink cowl in the 60s TV or turn him into stamps. Yeah. It's camp. It's ridiculous. Batman's dialogue is ridiculous throughout this entire scene. Oh, but there we go. We get Green Lantern starting with a swearing again. Yeah, you son of a bitch, you bastard. It's It's funny. Especially, it's terribly off colour though. Especially when he calls Wonder Woman the Wicked Witch of Lesbos Island. <laughs> and then he calls Superman the last candy pants of a blown up planet. <laughs> and then he calls Plastic Man nuttier than a fruitcake. Now that one's not, not untrue. Because he kind of is, yeah. And I did like, just in the middle of this you'll just suddenly get a scene of Dick Grayson at the, the, the orphanage where apparently he's been taking the trauma centre. When did they do this? I don't know. When, um, when, when did any of this happen? Uh, six hours ago. Yesterday, apparently. Yeah. So it's so. Why have they not noticed that Dickie's now not at the trauma centre? Because the trauma centre is funded by Bruce Wayne. Oh right. Okay. That that explains. The it. picture on the newspaper is the splash page from issue one. It is. That was yeah. photographed. Yeah. And well documented. Apparently photographed and well documented. Yeah. Batman picking him up by the throat. Yeah. Is an image on the cover of the newspapers, but everyone's now accepting that that's okay. Well, is no one asking why Batman attacked the police and then kidnapped him? Well, no, because the police are corrupt, so they'll they'll say Uh, that the Batman's the bad guy and look what he did to your beloved police force. Why they're not asking why he put Vicky Vale in hospital? Yeah. And no one's asking what he actually understand. did with Dick either. No. Oh, he's flimmy around, no. he's playing for 16 hours. Uh, do you. Do you think that at some point maybe the editor actually did his job and said to Frank Miller, yeah, this is all great, but how are you going to explain that they don't immediately put together that's Dick Grayson and, and that Batman has now done child endangerment and kidnapped a child? Mm. And do you think this is verbatim what Frank Miller said? I'll think about it later. <laughs> and then it got cancelled. No, because well, he's, he's answered that one. It got cancelled because Frank Miller thought, wait a minute, this <laughs> really, it really doesn't fit. Green Lantern really is written as being stupid. Don't try to confuse me, damn it. Yeah, and, and he is very... He falls for it that this isn't Dick Grayson. And you're like, how dumb are you? Are you galactically stupid? Uh, yeah. I did like it when Green Lantern punches Batman in the face. Robin catches the picture of Lemonade in the background. Mm. I just thought that was funny. I don't know why. 
Um, Robin's quite funny all the way throughout it, even when he's not seeing anything. Yeah. Just in the background. He's also reading uh, that newspaper comic as well. Yeah. The co- what, the, the one that they brought with them that says he's in a trauma centre? No, no, the... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I'm pretty sure... It, it, was, it was an old comic. And oh, Wednesday comics. Yeah. yeah. And he's wearing yellow because it was quite miserable, but the yellow colour signifies happiness. Right, okay. I didn't so know that's... that he was... Right, yeah, I didn't know he was reading Wednesday comics. But alright, fair enough. That's, that's quite a nice touch. Uh, in between issues, Batman's put Dick in a trauma clinic. <clears throat> Again, I have no idea when that happened. Yeah. Oh, oh, hi. Robin apparently refuses to kill Jocko Boy, but punches Green Lantern in the throat so hard it breaks his trachea. And then wonders what he did wrong. And then wonders what he did wrong. And then Batman punches Robin in the face so hard it busts his nose. What the hell's going on at this point? It, it's really quite a character shift for Robin as well. It's a, it's a tonal shift for the comic. Yeah. It goes from being camp hijinks to being brutal, destructive, and completely over-the-top graphic Quentin Tarantino-type violence. Yeah. I mean, it's been violent all the way through, but it's been handled in that OTT, funny kind of way. Yeah. This, suddenly here, you've got a 12-year-old kid as basically nearly killed somebody. Yeah. And suddenly you're crossing a line here from this isn't funny anymore. And Batman's revealed himself as Bruce Wayne to both Robin and Greenland. Yeah, why does he have to take his mask off to perform a tracheotomy? Tracheotomy. To concentrate, I guess. What, the cowl... Is that? So that's why he's thick when he's Batman. Yeah. The cowl's just compressing <laughs> his brain. Oh, really? Yeah, I would totally buy that. A couple of splash pages in the middle of the issue. Nice looking ones. Nice looking ones of the rain washing all the... Uh, Robin is kind of a bit weirdly submissive though and I cry like the little snot he tells me I am yeah it's it's just not very well written and then he takes him to the Grayson's um, graveyard which is when have they had time to have a funeral it's just a crappy little stone with Grayson written on it yeah it's what I, I, I didn't get this one at all. No. There's some campy fun to be had at the expense of Green Lantern it was good until Robin snapped yeah Oh, I wouldn't say it was good. But it was... It was fun. And read, yeah, it was fun and readable until Robin started being a bit psychotic. Yeah, it's 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 really confused as how it characterises Dick in between these two issues. He's almost as crazy as Batman. And the idea of Krillin Green Lantern it fills him with joy. He's happy about it. Yeah. He's, he's made up. So far he's been the one that grounds it. Yeah. Reasonably. But now he's... He's just yeah. gone over the top. Completely he's, he's over the top. He's jumped and the wind's blown him away. Yeah, if, if the stories are about becoming heroes, if the protagonists are too far gone for them to truly recover, then we don't buy the redemption. And I don't think Robin can recover from this. He mm. nearly killed Green Lantern. Yeah. And we're just supposed to move on from that and forget about it and accept that it's okay. I, I guess it's fine and it makes sense if we remember that he will then ultimately try and kill Batman and have his head cut off. And In Dark Knight Strikes Again? Yeah. Alright, for maybe he's setting all that up, I don't know. But th- th- within the same issue, sometimes this is just far too silly for its own good. Yeah. Oh, no, forget that. I like silly. This is dumb. Yeah. This is frequently very, very dumb. And this is where the story concludes in the trade paperbacks and the Absolute Editions. Issue 9 is the last one that's in those collected versions. Nothing's resolved. And I know nothing's resolved, but it's the best place it could end. From, uh, out of what we have. Out of what's been published, it is the best place to end it. Yeah. Yes, I, I don't disagree with you. But it's an unsatisfactory ending. 
it's an unsatisfactory series. Well, that's true, but if you've paid for this in absolute format and you don't get an ending, yeah, how annoyed is, would you be? I don't understand how, the, unless the bonus material is perfect, unless they collect the p- pencils for the next series, I don't see why you would pay to have any reprints of this. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in monthly form, at least we were promised that there would be more. Yeah. So if you're still buying this in monthly form, then that's okay. But yeah, for the absolute, I don't... Unless it's just purely bilking you for money. Jim Lee's fans will buy an absolute of Jim Lee's wonderful artwork, regardless of how trite the story is. And he does really nice little sketches inside him, but in the only, back. In, only in absolutes. Right, does he? Well, yeah. that's, that's okay. As it stands, this is probably the worst and most infuriating comic series that DC have ever published. Yeah. That it's touted by DC as a genuine classic. That it still has the reputation yeah, it has. Yeah, because, that's just because of the people involved, Frank Miller yeah. and Jim Lee. Which is always the worst kind of thing. Like I said with Superman, DC will continue to post crap because there are people who, who give it such a, a great reputa- reputation because of the people who work on it. Right, yeah. saying. Well, that's, no, what this, that's what this is. Frank Miller is considered a genius of comic art. Comic art sorry. And there are uh, many funny moments unintentional possibly yeah but there are many many funny moments in this series but this is tripe of the highest order yeah even as satire it's satirising something that's such an easy target that it fails to hit its mark yeah and as a serious Batman story it's laughably bad Mm. so it it fails in either goal we've gone through this whole thing going is it satire that's gone over people's heads or is it just bad pulp it's both Mm. And because it's both, it fails in whatever it is it's trying to be. It's... This didn't warrant an absolute edition. Jim Lee's president at DC. That is the only reason I think this has a an absolute edition. Uh, his art is by far the best thing about this, but it's a true example of a golden shiny turd. Yeah. Maybe if it had um, one of the unwrapped versions instead of an absolute... They did that for issue one. The, the, the oh yeah, the, the pencils yeah, yeah. only variant. Yeah, with with Frank Miller's cover. Um, do you have anything else to to say about uh, before no. we move on to the next issue? It was it was a fun read until Robin turned into Batman. Until Mark Robin II. turned into a psycho. Yeah. Issue ten has the usual poster cover from Lee of Robin with his arms folded and Batman crouched in the background. It's quite unremarkable. Frank quickly did the variant. It's a boring shot of uh, Batman and Robin sat on a ledge. I'm I'm sure you're going to like the the Frank Quickly one. It was used for one of Frank Quickly's art books, I think. Was it? Yeah. So once again, they didn't get Frank Miller to do the uh, variant cover. It's quite a good one, I guess. It's It's the same as the Lee one. Yes. From a different angle. Meh. The both of them, I think. (laughs) Jim Gordon informs us that a beaten Catwoman has left a note. The note reads, The first time, and he dumps it in the docks. It is a dead drop for Batman, and Batman knows exactly what it means. The first time he and Selina Kyle, the Catwoman, got it on. He and Robin head to the romantic location of he and Catwoman's first coupling, a dank and dirty Batcave. Catwoman is not in a good way. Elsewhere, Batgirl tries to instigate a takedown of a notorious drug den, but it goes too far and she is arrested. Black Canary has more success taking out a group of internet snuff merchants. She takes all their money to share amongst her friends and sets them on fire. Jim Gordon receives a call that his wife has been in a drink driving accident. At the same time, he is told that a Batgirl has been arrested and it is his daughter, Barbara. Barbara says she will take full responsibility and not blame Batman, but that Jim needs to go and call Sarah. 
With his wife near death, his daughter has told him to call the woman he's having an affair with. Which he does. The end. Uh, the opening narration to the issue, which is Commissioner Gordon, is actually really, really very good hard-boiled narration. Yeah. This, this is actually one of the better issues mm. of the series. Uh, it's not clear who he's talking to in the first instance until we realise that this is all code for making a dead drop for Batman. Yeah. And that worked very, very well. The art seems very different in this issue. Like there's something that's been done to the pencils to make them appear cloudy, mm. for want of a better word, especially when they're down on the docks. It's a very good technique. It sets this issue apart from the other ones. So that's that's nice. The colouring is also very subdued in this opening sequence, like metallic blues yeah. and stuff. So that's good as well. Uh, for some reason, they've took to spelling Sarah differently in this issue than in issue six of this series and in how it's spelt in the traditional bat books. Here, if we assume it's Sarah S and she was S-A-R-A-H. Right. And that's what she was spelt in the last time that he talked about her, four issues ago. Right. Whereas here, they spell it S-A-R-A. Right, I didn't notice that. Unless it's a different Sarah. Could be. He just has a thing for Sarahs. It could be that he just has a thing for Sarahs. There is a return to the black bars uh, for covering the swearing instead of the more conventional representation of swearing in comic books. And the middle of this comic book is one big splash page of Batman and Robin followed by a double page splash page of Batman and Robin followed by another double page splash of Batman and Robin followed by a splash of Batman and Robin finding Catwoman beaten up in the back here. Yeah. That's one, two, three, four, five, six pages in the middle of this comic that are just posters. Yeah. That's pretty much it, isn't it? It, it really is. Uh, it's the only part of this issue that furthers the story, though. It is. The is Catwoman working with the Joker, or...? What? Well, they made a deal, but now I think it's backfired. Yeah. But the rest is just swearing. Yeah. Pretty much. That's all it is. Until Jim Gordon shows back up, it's just all swearing. Yeah, Batgirl attacking the people at the arcade that is a drug den um, is a little bit odd because she swears like a trooper and then it all goes wrong. It's the only real reality moment that I liked. I like that Batgirl is 15 here and she doesn't belong in Sin City, which is what you said last time. This is what this is. It's Sin City, Yeah, isn't it? Black Canary takes out internet pornsters is also moderately satisfying in an eye-for-an-eye way. There's a lot of dialogue here, which is a big change for this series. That's the something to read yeah. in this issue, despite that middle section of six pages of nothing. Because mm. the pacing of these books is just all to cock. It's really, really, really bad. Um... In many ways, this was the best issue of the series. It's focusing more on the individual characters and their roles. While Gotham City's the star, mm. like you said before, he's writing Sin City with Batman in. It's wildly uneven. It's not as over-the-top funny as the previous issues. Jim Gordon's actually an interesting character in this, in that he's described as being a good cop, but a man who's got serious problems buried in his past. He's also talking to another woman whilst his life lies in hospital near death. And I can't help but think that a noirish Jim Gordon series would probably be better than this. Well, yeah, I really like reading the Jim Gordon bits yeah. in this. Well, that seems to Good be more... bad family man. Yeah, it's, it, that seems to be more in line with what he wants to write. Yeah. Than, than writing a Batman series that he doesn't know what to do with. Or doesn't even know what he wants it to be. In contrast to the other issues, this has a lot to read in it and it's a nice change of pace. It's totally, completely different from the other issues in the series. Yeah. And I didn't quite know what to make of it. 
I liked the Jim Gordon bits. Yeah. Uh, including his conversation with Barbara. Yeah, where Barbara's all, you know, I'm... I'm For 15, that's a mature thing to do, to not blame the person who inspired her. Yeah. She's going to accept full responsibility. Go on, I'll get her off. Yeah. It's his daughter. Um, But that's, you know, that's pretty much it. That's just... Yeah, it was a bit crap. Um, Next time in All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder issue 11, can't live with them, can't live without them, Batgirl, Black Canary and Catwoman. The cover that is solicited is basically just a shot of Batman and Robin from page... Six of this issue. It's the same image, isn't it? Yeah. Issue eleven. 